This is African News Tonight, the Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. The Russian invasion of the Ukraine has triggered the most massive violations of human rights we are living today. It has unleashed widespread deaths, destruction and displacement. That was UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres condemning the carnage from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Details coming up. Also, Nigeria is counting votes from Saturday's elections for president and the legislature. And French President Macron is unveiling a new economic and military strategy for Africa. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Voters in Nigeria are eagerly awaiting the announcement of the winner in the race to lead Africa's most populous country, where incumbent President Mohamedou Buhari is stepping down after two four-year terms. Our VOA reporter, Peter Cloti, is monitoring the proceedings from Abuja and is on the line to brief us on the latest. Welcome to African News Tonight, Peter. Thank you very much, Ayers, for having me. So, Peter, although it has not been confirmed by the head of Nigeria's election commission, there are reports a third-party candidate in Nigeria's tightly contested presidential election has caused a major upset by winning in its biggest city, Lagos. I'm talking about Labour Party's Peter Obi. Could you tell us a little about that? Well, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, indeed, that is the report coming from uh, uh, Lagos that Peter Obi has shocked Asiwa Jubola Ahmed Tinubu, the former Lagos state governor, by winning that. And the local reports coming from Lagos also showed that Asiwa Jubola Ahmed Tinubu has accepted uh, Peter Obi's victory and has said that he is a Democrat. He will accept the outcome and that you could. You win some, you lose some. Um, however, we are waiting, like you said earlier, for the INEC uh, chairman, Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, to officially, officially declare who won. So we are waiting. Uh, a, a couple of uh, hours ago, uh, he announced that the Lagos uh, uh, state officials will be officially announcing the outcome of the elections in Lagos. Uh, it didn't happen uh, because of a, a few things that they are trying to arrange. So we are waiting for Professor Mahmoud to call on the Lagos team to announce the official results from Lagos. Uh, Peter, I'm just curious. Uh, Peter Obi, what propelled him to this kind of a victory? Well, it is all due to uh, the enthusiasm expressed by the youth. At least that is what some of his supporters tell us. They were telling us that for the first time, they felt motivated to go to the polls. For the first time, they felt motivated to organize themselves. For the first time, they said they were the problems for not for sitting on the fence and not getting involved in choosing who Nigeria's president uh, had been for the last so many years of elections. So they thought that this time, it is their time. It is their time to to want a better Nigeria, to want improved living conditions, to want uh, a better way of life. And that is why they thought that their best hope is uh, Peter Obi. That is what they are telling us. However, 
former president Atuko Abubar, uh, vice president Atuko Abubar, is also saying that you know he has a pedigree, he has a track record. I see what you ball out there to He's also saying the same thing, but it looks like Peter Obi's candidacy appeared to have generated a lot of buzz from the youth. And Peter, uh, rights groups, uh, Amnesty International has urged the Nigerian authorities to investigate what it described as widespread violence unleashed on voters in parts of Lagos, Rivers, Kano, Edo, and Delta states over the weekend. Uh, what is that all about? It is true. Uh, and even civil society organizations and local poll observers, as well as foreign poll observers, have called on the international uh, the authorities here in Nigeria to crack down, to investigate, to uh, hold those people responsible for unleashing violence and causing disaffection and tension and naming people uh, to hold them accountable by investigating, arresting, and prosecuting them to the full extent of the law. Indeed, there were reports of violence, there were reports of injuries. In some instances, there were deaths. And that is why people are so incensed. They are condemning the act that it is not what they expected. People went to the polls peacefully. They didn't expect that such violence would be unleashed on them. Uh, and, and that is why the calls have been so vociferous. And the authorities, uh, uh, I understand, uh, launched investigation into the allegations uh, of this violence that occurred in some of these parts of Nigeria. So anything else, Peter, you'd like us, uh, you'd like to tell us about what's going on? Because uh, Saturday's voting was uh, also marred by long delays at polling stations, as well as scattered reports of ballot box snatching and attacks by armed men. Well, that is true, and uh, a lot of the INEC officials said it was quite disappointing. They thought that thing, Nigerians, a lot of Nigerians have moved on. They want to see better organized elections, transparency, credibility of the polls. They didn't anticipate that some of these things were going to happen. But the police and the joint patrol team of the police and the military uh, had assured us that they had deployed to prevent some of these occurrences. But indeed, as the report said, uh, that happened. Now, the NDI and the IRI also issued a statement saying that uh, it was unfortunate that the elections were not transparent enough. They faulted INEC for not doing it. They only praised INEC for organizing the elections on time, but said that the ongoing cash crunch prevented people from going to the polls and that the violence also prevented people from actually going to the polls. However, the INEC tried to uh, solve the problem by extending voting to Sunday to allow those who were affected by glitches of that caused the long delay for them to go and vote. So here, even in Abuja, there's a, a place called Lupe where people couldn't vote because of violence. Uh, uh, and they went back on Sunday and voted. Uh, so that is the situation here at the moment. Uh, yes. VOA's man in Abuja, Peter Cloti, thank you for your input. Thank you very much, Yehez. Reporter Mike Mbonye is in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. He spoke with people in the city about the election process. I am Benjamin Kamde, a businessman. All right, sir. Well, the election has come and gone, uh, but I have several reservations about the process. The malfunctioning of the beaver's machine was not encouraging. 
most people were not allowed to vote. And then if you see the results, most of the polling units, they will tell you 45 people, a total number of votes. And that portrays the fact that the Beavers machine did not work. Most people that came out to vote were not recognized by the Beavers machine. And the polling agents will tell you that they did not have the code to the Beavers machine. Even to upload results, it was the same problem. They, 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 they were not able to upload the results. So with this, I think I'm not satisfied with the process. My name is uh, Chief Chaudenka. I'm a trader. My brother, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Where I voted was very peaceful. Everything went very smooth. But at the long last, they started saying that they can't upload from, they can't upload. Some group of boys now came and carried the bylaw bus and ran away. And different centers like that have the same issue. And as I'm talking to you now, I learned that they are somewhere writing the results and all the rest. So, my brother, I'm not happy about what happened. I'm not happy about what is happening now. Yes, I'm suggesting a rerun. They should make out a date and cancel the result and rerun the election again. Thank you. For more on Nigeria's presidential election, please check out voaafrica.com and stay tuned to all your favorite VOA news programs for updates. Officials in Cameroon and Niger say several million people in Boko Haram-affected territories are threatened by severe hunger as floods and wildlife destroy thousands of hectares of farmland. Governors from the two West African nations visited northern Cameroon on Friday after a crisis meeting in Difa, Niger. They say millions of people, including thousands who were returning after fleeing conflicts between cattle ranchers and fishers, need food and resettlement help. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Lake Chad Basin Governor's Forum officials say millions of refugees and displaced persons returning to towns and villages in Cameroon, Chad, Nigeria and Niger are in urgent need of life-saving aid. Boko Haram terrorism in the region has left more than 36,000 people dead, mainly in Nigeria, while 3 million have been forced to flee their homes, according to the United Nations. Midji Bakari is chairman of the forum, made up of eight governors of Boko Haram-affected territories. He says he visited Boko Haram-affected areas in Niger and Cameroon Friday so he could understand challenges facing those returning to their towns and villages. Bakari spoke to Tele Sahel, Niger's state broadcaster and Cameroon government-owned broadcaster CRTV. He says several conflicts are reported among civilians returning because the Lake Chad Basin, which is home to more than 40 million people, has shrunk 90% in 60 years. Bakari says livelihoods in the area resolve around livestock, fishing and farming. He says he held a crisis meeting with Mohamed Muda, governor of Niger's Difa region, to see how living conditions of several million people in dire need 
can be improved and their security against potential Boko Haram attack assured. Bakari, who is also the governor of Cameroon's far north region on the border with Chad and Nigeria, blames climate change for the disappearing Lake Chad Basin waters. He says clashes between herders, fishermen and farmers over water and tributaries of Lake Chad are reported on a weekly basis. The forum says thousands of people displaced last year by flooding and elephant attacks are also returning and need resettlement help. As the governors call for international help for the returning refugees and displaced persons, Cameroon, Nigeria and Chad report that migratory caterpillars, crickets and weaver birds are disseminating thousands of hectares of farmed land on their borders. The farmlands are either owned by displaced persons or grow food for refugees and displaced persons. Jean-Félix Wakagi is the highest Cameroon government agriculture and livestock official in Logon and Shari, an administrative unit on Cameroon's northern border with Chad and Nigeria. He says the caterpillars, crickets and weaver birds have devastated several hundred hectares of millet, rice and corn plantations. He says helpless farmers are either shouting or beating drums to chase the birds and crickets. Wakage says the migratory birds from forests and national parks in Cameroon, Nigeria and Chad are searching for food and water. Wakage spoke to VOA through a messaging app from Kuseri District in Logan and Shari. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCA, or OCHA, reports that this year millions of crisis-affected people in West and Central Africa will remain in a dire situation as humanitarian response funding remains inadequate and the crisis is outpacing the response. OCHA or OCA says $2.53 billion is needed to adequately address the region's most pressing humanitarian needs and assist 7.4 million people. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. French President Emmanuel Macron will unveil a new economic and military strategy for Africa today. The speech comes before he leaves Wednesday for a trip to several African countries and as Paris has withdrawn many troops fighting an Islamic insurgency in West Africa. The Associated Press says Macron's trip to Gabon, Angola, the Republic of Congo and Congo begins Wednesday. He is expected to attend a major climate change conference in Gabon focusing on the preservation of forests. In Angola, he's focused on improving links in the fields of energy, including oil and gas, agriculture, and the food industry. Macron is also expected to outline changes that France will bring to its military deployments in the Sahel. It has withdrawn troops from Mali and Burkina Faso, which has moved closer to Russia, but maintains about 3,000 troops in Niger and Chad. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. The 
Ghana Health Services, a shortage of routine vaccines for children blamed for a measles outbreak that infected 120 will be resolved within weeks. Health officials said the shortage of vaccines against polio, hepatitis B and measles was caused by the depreciation of Ghana's currency, the CD. The Pediatric Society of Ghana warned childhood diseases could quickly spread if the vaccines were not soon made available. Kent Mansa reports from Accra, Ghana. For months, nursing mothers have been complaining of shortage of vaccines meant for babies from birth to at least 18 months. The situation became worse in February after major health facilities in 10 out of the 16 administrative regions of Ghana kept turning nursing mothers away due to her erratic supply. Vivian Hellemi said her baby girl missed one of the key vaccinations last month and the situation has not changed after combing three health centers on Monday. Like other mothers, Hellemi is worried the shortage of the essential vaccine for infants will pose a threat to her child. It has been frustrating moving from one hospital to another, she told Vui. She added, I don't know what could happen to my baby because she's yet to receive a second vaccination. I'm confused because no one is telling me when the vaccine will be ready. Timely vaccination of children, according to UNICEF, is a proven method for saving lives from vaccine-preventable diseases. It can also help attain some targets like the UN Sustainable Development Goal 3, which aims to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all. UNICEF's Ghana office says on its website that the country has seen a significant fall in deaths from vaccine-preventable diseases. For example, since 2003, there has been no deaths caused by measles, while in 2011, Ghana was certified as having attained elimination status for maternal and neonatal titanos. Dr. Ejewa Boniedi, a member of the Pediatric Society of Ghana, said the government must act now in order not to erode the gains made so far. This is the first time I'm hearing of such widespread shortages. Mm. So we do have shortages from time to time. However, those are in very limited um, circumstances. The problem this time is that it has gone over for several months. This should actually be a thing of the past. Governments should be encouraged to do what we call ring fence funding, such that budgetary allocations for vaccines are actually protected, no matter what other dire or pressing needs that the country has. The children should be secured in that light. The Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumabwaji, said the situation would change by the end of March. We have had some delays in procuring some of those vaccines, for which uh, polio, MR, and the BCG are in short supply. It was also because the ministry's budget to procure them are in cities, and at the time that was due for procurement. Because of the exchange difference, it was very difficult to procure. So now we've done it, and we hope that within the next two, three weeks, we'll address it. Parliament has summoned the West African country's health minister, Kweku Ajimamenu, to discuss the vaccine shortage. The next few days are crucial for many children, especially those who live in inner cities and dense parts of urban areas, and are exposed to vaccine-preventable diseases at an early age. Kent Mensah for VA News, Accra, Ghana. The
VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one, then 202 258 Russia's war of aggression took center stage at the opening of the UN Human Rights Council's five-and-a-half-week session, the longest meeting ever held. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. As he kicked off this historically long and politically charged conference, Secretary General Antonio Guterres condemned the carnage unleashed by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Russian invasion of the Ukraine has triggered the most massive violations of human rights we are living today. It has unleashed widespread deaths, destruction and displacement. Attacks on civilians and civilian infrastructure have caused many casualties and terrible suffering. He warned the erosion of human rights around the world has caused progress made in human development to stall and in many cases to be reversed. He notes extreme poverty and hunger are rising around the world for the first time in decades. A record 100 million people have been forced to flee by violence, conflict and human rights violations. Every day brings new evidence of human rights violations from summary executions and torture to enforce disappearance and sexual violence. The president of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Felix Shisekedi, headed a list of 46 dignitaries scheduled to speak during the day's high-level segment. He told the council the main challenge facing his country was the cycle of violence and looting of natural resources by terrorists and armed groups since 1994, the year of the Rwandan genocide. He said some 150 groups, including the M23 rebels, mainly operate in the provinces of Ituri, Maniema, North Kivu and Tanganyika. He spoke through an interpreter. It is no secret to anyone that they are supported, armed by some states of the region, such as Rwanda, and by foreign financial sectors. For 30 years, the Democratic Republic of Congo has been the theater of the most abominable human atrocities. Rwanda has denied accusations that it has supported the M23 group in eastern DRC. However, United Nations observers and human rights groups have said there is evidence of Rwandan backing for the M23. Shisekedi said in consultations with 53 armed groups within the context of the nice process. He said the consultations, which aim to reintegrate the militia's international life, do not include the M23 rebels or the group known as Kodeko. 
The 52nd regular session of the Human Rights Council includes four days of speeches by top diplomats and national leaders. The agenda this year includes debate on conditions in Ethiopia, Afghanistan, Syria, and Israel. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Barrow, and our engineer, Cornelius Tanner, thanks for choosing the Voice of America. <laughs> <laughs>